Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. A, a, a rugby ball, a proper rugby ball would cost something like $250, you know, and um, looking at, uh, you know, the economic fundamentals down here, mm-hmm. uh, you don't get to have such kind of money as just like 250 US dollars or Zambian dollars? US dollars. 250 US dollars. All right, okay. Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff, and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. Welcome to The Coaching Knife, when we cut to the root of the matter. In this episode, we speak to Tom Chaloba, manager of Get Into Rugby, Zambia. Focusing on volunteering, we're going to cut the root on how to build a group of volunteers and retain them. Tom, are you ready for the knife? Yes, I am. What keeps volunteers in the game? Um, I think the passion, the determination, the, the drive to, to see their, their efforts being appreciated at the end of the day. Okay, just a moment. So, just a moment. so when you say passion, yeah, they, start, they start with the passion. How do you keep them, keep that passion going? If one finds something that they are able to do without being forced, I think we can call that a passion. And uh, it gives them the drive to, you know, to keep going forward. Okay, so can you give me you some know, examples? Like yeah, so can you give me some examples of how that how you might be able to do that, or uh, how that's happened for some of the people you've worked with? Well, examples from some of the people that I've worked with uh, in volunteering. One uh, mentioned that um, we've been working with kids as young as uh, ten, so seeing them grow and uh, flourish into that game, and uh, seeing them play for 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 a club and eventually going for national uh, for national selection, that is what keeps them going. Yeah. So, but that's quite a long way away. So, uh, when I arrive as a volunteer, um, I don't necessarily know that's going to happen. That could be two, three, five, ten years down the line. Um, how do I? How do you keep me going for those first three or four weeks? So I arrive excited, but actually, it's going to be quite hard work. What am I? What are you going to do to help support them? I think the first thing uh, is to identify each person's strength so that we can we can see uh, how best we can allocate them a position that will work best with with their passion let's say so right. uh, if I, yeah Go on. yeah yeah so if I were to give an example if somebody comes in uh, as a volunteer then we after a brief chat with them uh, we see that maybe the, the their passion is um, organizing so we try as much as possible to give them positions that are somewhat associated with organizing so you know that gives them the drive to to, to come back tomorrow when, when they arrive they'll have all different skills but they might not necessarily have the skills that you need to work with children uh, for instance how do you start working with them to give them the confidence to work with children so they've got some organizing skills but they may not be necessarily um, good at other aspects around what you're doing uh, so for for starters, like we've been doing back here, uh, we we make them under studies. For example, we attach them as body coaches to to more experienced um, volunteers, so they can learn the ropes. 
if at all they are willing to continue, then we, we attach them on their own. If not, we part ways, no, no, no hard feelings. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> now, of course, they'll, they'll come with uh, lots of different ideas. How do you help develop or use those ideas? Because not all those ideas will be right for the situation, but some of them will be spot on. So how do you help um, get the most out of that that sort of energy which comes with the new volunteers? Yeah, like you've rightly put it, new volunteers always come, come up with brilliant ideas, which may not necessarily work at that particular at that particular time, or, you know, depending at what stage of the program you're in. But uh, we always try to be as welcoming as possible and just put those ideas uh, on ice because you never know. Tomorrow they might be workable, they might be bankable ideas. So we try as much as possible not to not to shun any of the ideas that are brought forward, but um, you know, we just try and explain to the people that uh, that idea might not work at this particular time. Maybe tomorrow we can try it. Now, some volunteers will come along and they're full of energy to start off with, but as time goes on, they start to uh, drift away. At what stage do you are you on at them to say you've got to stay with it? I mean, how bossy are you with volunteers? <laughs> I, I am quite bossy, I should confess. But uh, yeah, um, I've worked under very harsh and strict bosses and I know just how repellent they can be. So we try as much as possible alongside my team to be as welcoming. You know, we, we, we try to be as encouraging as possible. We try to be as accommodative as possible. And uh, yeah. So can you give me some examples? Only... So sorry, can you give me some examples of of how welcoming? Because I mean, it sounds good, but um, what are the words? What are the actions which uh, you and your group are taking to make the volunteers stay? And when they are maybe beginning to drift off, you can just keep them going. What what sort of language are you using? How are you keeping them involved? So, for example, uh, we have. Uh, one secondary school teacher who who has been volunteering with us for almost four years now. A few years back, she almost gave up because uh, she thought she couldn't, you know, contribute much to the program and and uh, you know other other volunteers were not as welcoming. But uh, what we did, we we analyzed her strength, uh, which was a, she's a teacher, so she knows how to you know bring kids together and uh, be. Be like a mother, so we appointed her matron for the under 12s. So she's uh, she's been working in that line, and she's been she's been quite consistent. Most of the kids are able to relate very well with her. So, like I said earlier, we try as much as possible to identify the strength of the people that come our way, and then try as much as possible to give them positions, or we try to push them that way, so that they are able to exercise as much freedom as possible in that line of work. Now, um, quite a few people who will be listening in will be saying, I am a, I'm a coach with my team and I can't do it all, my, all on my own. I've got, say, 15 players in my team. So that's 14 players with parents. How do I get some of those parents to come and help me? What, what, am, what am I going to do to uh, help them sort of um, be part of the team? So we, um, after working with um, an organization called uh, the Bobesi Pride Foundation a while ago, they introduced uh, a concept with us called the Buddy Coach. 
So we have this head coach who is in charge of this particular age group. And then we have, we have them surrounded by buddy coaches. So these are the ones who are able to, to work with small groupings. And then eventually they bring them over to, 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 to the head coach of uh, this age category. So that has really worked very well with us. Such that we've even taken it down to, to the kids themselves. So, for example, in the U12s, we have um, an under-14 who is a buddy coach there. So he or she brings that, um, that experience from that older age group and is able to impact that knowledge to, to the young ones. Also, the skill is also transferred in that, in that, same, uh, in that same style of uh, buddy coaches. So that is the concept that we've been working with. And, and so far, so good. I think uh, we've been making good, uh, good, good inroads. Right. So um, it's the, the best way is to give them sort of very small jobs to do and then let them develop within those rather than giving them massive jobs. So little little bits sure. and people. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So um, no, not all, not all of them are going to be coaches. You talked about organizers. What sort of other roles do you sort of see which would be very useful for you to get volunteers to do? So some of them are actually outgoers. So they they go and source for, for sponsors. Like, for example, next week we are, we, we are traveling to, uh, you know, to, to a private school where we'll be playing uh, the under-14s and under-18s. Um, and obviously we'll need uh, transport, we'll need uh, food and other logistics. So some of our volunteers uh, are actually attached to that department where they, they go out and source for such. And, um, yeah, so far so good. They've been making very good, uh, very good progress in that regard. And this is more of what they do on uh, on a daily basis. So it's not so much an inconvenience for them because they know most of the most of the people that they can go to. They have the connections. They have the contacts. So it's you know it's part of them giving back to uh, to the game that, uh, that that they've played uh, that has given them a lot of opportunities as well. So yeah, that is one of the areas where we. So some, some, something to think about here, I suppose, uh, is uh, the idea that when, when, a, when someone joins a team, they come with um, their, their parents and that sort of thing. So the parents are not just going to say, my child is joining the team. I'm joining the team as well. What can I do to help? Now, obviously, the experts are doing the coaching, but they've got to put some effort into the team and you've got to use their strengths. Now, not everyone's going to go out and be good at, good at finding sponsorship. What other roles could we, I mean, and sponsorship being one of the hardest ones to do, what other roles which would be really useful um, that we can get our volunteers to to do and to feel valued? Well, this is Africa. And unfortunately, uh, we don't have too many too many parents coming in, you know, to, to do most of that, most of those tasks. Mm. But anyway, a parent is a parent anyway. So... Mm. Some of the chores that, uh, or some of the responsibilities that we give uh, our volunteers who are not really keen to be coaches or referees are like uh, cooking. Uh, because obviously, at the end of a game or at the end of a training session, the kids need to have something in their, in their bellies. So some of our volunteers are actually very good cooks. Some not, not very good anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them I said so. Uh, but, no, no, yeah, no. At the end of the day, it's the effort which counts, and uh, we really appreciate all the, you know, all the effort that comes in our way, and uh, yeah, we we are appreciative of everything that comes our way. 
So you you mentioned obviously you're you're based uh, in in Zambia and uh, it's not um, it, there are different there are different challenges there. So in terms of developing rugby in in your part of the world, you obviously face some challenges. How do you get over those uh, difficulties? And what sort of the, what are the key things which are vexing you at the moment? Yeah, rightly put, being in Africa, being in Zambia, I think our challenges are a bit different from uh, <laughs> from people in the UK and and, and elsewhere. But uh, you know, we've been making uh, progress in our own way. Some of the challenges, rather, uh, would include uh, lack of or limited kit. So, for example, we have uh, uh, we have ten balls, and then we have um, you know an unlimited number of kids when we go out in our training sessions. Um, so we we have kind of difficulties in um, kit allocation. So, for example, mm. we have a uh, hundred kids one location and. Uh, 50 kids at a different location and on one training day we have maybe five or six different training locations so it's quite um it's quite cumbersome sometimes to to, to allocate the kit but um sometimes when the going gets tough you know the tough gets going uh we we use whatever is at our disposal sometimes we actually use a soccer ball you know to like you know give the kids to throw around and mm. just get them you know throwing around running around the kids are happy uh, maybe at, at a different, um, maybe at, at the next uh, training session, then we can give them the proper rugby ball. And because of, uh, you know, too many hands using the same ball, sometimes we balls wear out real quick mm. um, and they, are, they, they don't come in cheap pot shops. So sometimes we, we get such kind of uh, challenges. But uh, yeah, we, we get around those whenever we can. Sometimes one of the volunteers is is fortunate enough to you know, to, to, to bring us a ball or to to know one person or one sponsor who can give us a ball or two. So we, we we get around. The good part is at the end of this training session, the kids are happy. They're able to throw the ball around. They're able to run around. They sing. They are happy. And, you know, everybody goes home smiling. On other lucky days, we also are fortunate enough to give them a hot meal. The kids go back home smiling and everybody is happy. So those are some of the challenges that we face on a, you know, on a daily basis, but I like it for so us. Is, to it, is it because the rugby balls? Uh, is it because the rugby balls are expensive, or just they? There's just not many of them around. What? What? Are, what's the? What's the difficulty in getting the rugby balls to you? They, <laughs> uh, they, they are quite expensive. So, for example, a, a rugby ball, a proper rugby ball, would cost something like uh, two hundred and fifty dollars. You know, and um, looking at. Uh, the economic uh, fundamentals down here, mm-hmm. uh, you don't get to have such kind of monies uh, just like 20, 250 US dollars or Zambian dollars? US dollars. 250 US dollars. All right. Okay. Yeah. Just, I mean, we're, we're here in the UK and we think if we pay more than 15 pounds for a rugby ball, that's expensive. <laughs> okay. I mean, and that's, I mean, what are, I mean, the, the, that's a real difficulty because really, I mean, you can do lots of things around rugby, but if you don't have a ball, it's uh, it's not it's not it's not the game of rugby, is it? So um, okay, and I think people listening and probably think uh, that something needs to be de- needs to be done about this. Uh, so just uh, one one last last question around uh, volunteering. You talked about the passion, the energy, uh, the fact that uh, people stay in the game. Um, from from your point of view. To keep these volunteers, how often do you need to be supporting them? 
because of because they're supporting you but how much do you need to support them what are you doing on a weekly monthly basis to to keep them involved so um that is actually one of the things that we were discussing at a different fora um i think i should mention that i'm um, uh, i'm a coach educator under the icce the international center for coaching excellence so that was one of the things actually that we were looking at how to support coaches in practice so one of the things that i'm doing or that we are doing here actually is uh we we try to identify we're going to come back in a moment you can uh keep you go from there okay yeah so we we try to identify some of the needs of our of our volunteers and like i was saying uh we um i was privileged to to be recognized as one of the coach developers under the ICCE that we were looking at was actually a topic entitled how to support coaches in practice so uh, we we try to identify some of the needs of our volunteers and uh, as possibly can so we've made sure that um uh, all our volunteers are level 1 or rugby coaches this is just so that everyone should have an idea of what is expected of them and um on um on a good day we try to to organize a, a get together try and share ideas enjoy drinks you know a, a few drinks uh, with the coaches just to keep their the you know their motivation going obviously this is not enough but yeah we do what we what we can on a good day and and obviously just to, to add on it is not all gloomy you know from from this end <laughs> uh times with our with our volunteers Uh, we enjoy a lot of good times with our with our players and i think that is one of the reasons why they keep coming back if it were all gloomy and dark i think nobody would come back the second time so we no, sure we try not. as much as possible to keep the momentum going to keep the motivation to keep the morale and uh, so far so good yeah well great tom that's fantastic and i can see why people come back um obviously you are leading them and inspiring them so tom is a coach and match official educator at Zambia Rugby Union is also been involved with the Tag Rugby Trust. Uh, his philosophy is aim high as we can certainly uh catch from speaking to you and don't miss what is near. This helps him stay grounded, rooted and also gives him the freedom to shoot for the stars. You can contact him on Twitter or Instagram at Tom Chaloba1 so that's T O M C H A L O B A1 and LinkedIn and Facebook Tom Chaloba. So we're going to finish with some quick fire questions. Tom, how old are you? 41 uh what coaching book is by your bedside the rugby coach weekly i'm an ardent <laughs> follower <laughs> it's uh, such a such a charm and no one you keep the volunteers right which coach or teacher are you loving at the moment jack white all right um why i think he's been grounded his philosophies uh, have worked i think different uh, continents and him being back in south africa uh, i think he he's really helping his team yeah so i think He's a good man for me to follow. All right. Uh which team or sport or subject would you love to be coaching at the moment? I think I would love to coach the Sharks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh who's inspired you most? Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Oh, okay. And what would you tell your 20-year-old self to do more of? Aim high, but don't miss what is near. Why I would do that is because uh back back in the day if i knew what i know now i think i would uh, i would be on a different level not that i'm complaining with where i am but i think um i think i would have achieved more than than i have achieved so far 
I think you've probably been very modest about what you've achieved. Tom, it's been <laughs> brilliant to uh, talk to you and uh, yeah, best of luck with everything you're doing. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.